Thus I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Please be seated. The world in which we live is a very broken world. And I'm sure that's no surprise to most of you. There's turmoil going on in just about every corner of the world. At the time I was writing this message uh, a couple of months ago, our country was going through the impeachment of a president. And in fact, that's not done yet. There were violent protests going on in Hong Kong. There were fires raging in California. In many parts of the world, there is abject poverty. In just about every part of the world, there is rampant crime, murders, shootings. Our borders have been under siege as people have been fleeing crime and violence and poverty in their own countries while seeking refuge here. And our country is divided over how to handle it. There's homelessness. Disease, drug addiction, and poverty in this country. There are mass shootings, broken homes, children in foster care, teenagers struggling with suicide. Every year there are natural disasters that take away lives, homes, and property. There are cartels in Mexico, suicide bombers in the Middle East, ethnic tensions in Europe, slums in India, and AIDS in Africa. If you could think of one word that you could use to describe what the world needs most, the, world, the, the word might be love. Or you might say it needs hope you know, or, or peace you know, or, or maybe repentance or even leadership. But none of those words really describe what the world needs most. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be sharing some message, messages with you from the book of Acts. And, and a lot of this material is not mine. 
I will be, I'm using someone else's, but uh, I will be including some of my thoughts in that, but I just want, uh, want you to be aware of that. The book of Acts is a book that chronicles the acts of Jesus' apostles. It describes the works of the apostles of, uh, of Jesus after he ascended back to the Father. The book of Acts, though, is, is much more than that. I mean, the book of Acts is also a history book. You know, it describes the history of the church, how it began, how it grew. It also describes the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit worked with the apostles, through the apostles, and through others to create and construct the church of Jesus Christ. It's also a book that lays out God's redemptive plan, God's plan to reconcile the world to himself. The book of Acts, though, probably more than anything else, is mainly about the spreading of God's word, which began in the Middle East and then how it spread to other parts of the world. The phrase, the word, occurs more often in the book of Acts than any other book in the New Testament. It occurs 35 times in 28 chapters. Sometimes it's described as the word of God, sometimes the word of the Lord, you know, the, the word of his grace, you know, the word of the gospel, and at other times just the word. The spreading of God's word begins as early as Acts chapter 1. You know, it indicates in Acts 1 verse 3 that Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So the first act Jesus needed to perform after his death was to show the apostles that he had been resurrected from the dead and was in fact alive, which he did. The first time he appeared was in the garden immediately after his resurrection when Mary saw him. And later that night he appeared to all the apostles but one. If you recall in John 20, Thomas was absent. It wasn't until a little over a week later when Thomas was present that Jesus appeared again. And that was when Thomas saw the scars and was convinced that Jesus was indeed alive. The second act Jesus needed to perform was to instruct the apostles on what to do next. In Acts 1-4, the text describes what Jesus instructed his apostles to do. It reads, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So his instruction to the apostles was not to do anything just yet. Wait until they received the Holy Spirit because they were going to need the Spirit in order to do the spiritual work that God was commissioning them to do. Just as we also need the Holy Spirit today to do the spiritual work that God has commissioned us to do. Jesus went on to tell them in verse 8 that after they receive the Spirit, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. A witness, of course, is someone who testifies about what they saw and heard. So Jesus wanted his apostles to testify about what they saw him do and what they heard him say. Now notice where he wanted them to testify. 
He said, I want you to first testify to the people in Jerusalem, which probably many wanted them to testify to the Jews first. Secondly, they were to testify about Jesus in all Judea and Samaria. Samaritans were kind of a cross between a Jew and a Gentile. So after first testifying to the Jews in Jerusalem, then Jesus wanted them to go to those who were not necessarily Jews, as they would have thought of it, and testify to them about Jesus. The third place Jesus instructed them to testify was, of course, the whole world. Jesus was echoing the words of the prophet Isaiah when Isaiah said in regard to the Jews in chapter 49, verse 6, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So this gospel message was meant for Jews and Gentiles. In other words, as we sometimes sing, the gospel is for all. Apparently, the apostles didn't quite understand that uh, in the beginning. Because if you recall, Peter in Acts 10 had to be shown on what I like to call the first large screen projection system that he was supposed to go to the house of, of a Gentile by the name of Cornelius and preach the gospel to him and his household. And so Cornelius and his household, as far as we know, were the first Gentiles to hear and respond to the gospel. The book of Acts is a book about that one word the world needs to hear. That one word the world needs to hear more than any other word. People who are suffering need to hear it. People who live in poverty need to hear it. People who are wealthy need to hear it. People who live in war-torn countries need to hear it. People living in the jungles of Africa need to hear it. Kings need to hear it. Government officials need to hear it. Can I have an amen on that one? That one word that everyone needs to hear is the word. John 1.14 reads, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word the world needs to hear more than any other word is the word Jesus. Proverbs 119.105, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. In other words, the word, Jesus, teaches you how to navigate life such that you can glorify God and be saved. It teaches you what the truth is. Jesus said in John 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The book of Acts is really a book about Jesus. You know, it's the story of how the apostles went everywhere in that part of the world testifying one simple truth, that Jesus is the Messiah and He is Lord. Jesus was God in the flesh. He suffered, died, rose from the dead, and will one day judge the world. And it grieves me when I hear people take His name in vain. People don't realize when they say the phrase, oh my God, when speaking about something that has nothing to do with God, it profanes the name of God, which means to make something, to profane means to make something ordinary or unholy. I'm reminded of the first line of the Lord's Prayer, Father who art in heaven, hallowed 
be your name. Hallowed means to honor something as holy. Jesus is the one word that brings hope and joy and peace and truth and more importantly, salvation. In the book of Acts, that one word happened to be very controversial. In fact, throughout the book, Satan created many barriers to thwart the efforts of the apostles to spread that word. The apostles were, they were threatened, they were beaten, they were arrested and thrown in jail, all because of that one word they were preaching. And no matter how fierce the opposition was, however, the Christians refused to stop preaching that word. Peter and John, when they were charged by the authorities not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, in Acts 4.20, said, We can't, cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. They weren't going to stop speaking the word. They couldn't help. They had to. When something really incredibly good happens to you, you you can't wait to share it with someone. The apostles knew it was true. They believed it with all their hearts. They were eyewitnesses of the word. Jesus. When you are convinced that something is right and true, you, you will be willing to put up with it. Just about anything. You know, I I think of all the men and women who fought for the freedom of this country in in, in the various wars. And and gave their various lives for it. I mean, they knew when they went overseas, they might not come back. I mean, you don't do that unless you're fully convinced the cause is worth it. These apostles also gave their lives for the word. Because number one, Jesus gave his life for them. And number two, the word gives life. As Peter said in Acts 4.12, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Athenians didn't understand it. They wanted to hear more. The Ephesians burned books over it. The Macedonians begged for it. This one word, Jesus, can save the world. It can end all the problems in the world. The question really that I think needs to be asked this morning is, are you, are you speaking that word? Do you have that same faith and determination the apostles did? If not, why not? You might think to yourself, well, because I'm not an eyewitness. I wasn't an eyewitness. I wasn't there. Jesus told Thomas, you believe because you see me. Those who believe without seeing me will be truly blessed. That's us. It's the same word. It has the same power. You should have the same boldness and courage the apostles had. You have the same spirit the apostles had. Jesus said, I'll be with you. So you have the same help the apostles had. You know, when when you feed the homeless on the fourth Tuesday of the month... Somehow we've got to figure out how to give them the word. How to speak the word while we're there. Those men need to partake of the word more than they need to partake of the food. People will never overcome their problems until they hear the word. In the book of Acts, the apostles had their act together. And we need to get our acts together and start speaking the word that the people around us so desperately need to hear. You know, some people are concerned about all, all the um, immigrants and Muslims coming into this country. 
I think it's fantastic. In fact, I think it might be the work of God. We can teach them the word. They're coming over here. We can teach them the word here in this country without fear of persecution and without having to spend money to go overseas. We can all do mission work and we can do it right here in our own community if we'll just speak the word. We can't just sit here and hope people come to us so they can hear the word. We only gather here once a week. We have to speak to them where they are throughout the week. The apostles, they experienced a lot of resistance to the word in the book of Acts, but it did not prevent its growth. In Acts 6 verse 7 it reads, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 12, 24, it reads, But the word of God increased and multiplied. In Acts 19, 20, it reads, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. The author of Hebrews wrote this about the word. It's living, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No other word does that. In other words, the word is powerful. It convicts, it judges, it changes people's lives, and more importantly, it saves. I challenge all of you to speak the word to at least one person a month. I recently learned of of a uh, kind of a technique for reaching out to people. It's not a biggie, but... You know, you just never know. I know a lot of you eat out, and many of you will be going to lunch right after services this morning. And when you're out to lunch or dinner, and your server brings you your food and lays it down, they usually say, you know, is there anything I can get for you? Ray Stevens and I did this the other night. After after this young lady laid down her food, we said, hey, we're going to give thanks for our food. Is there anything we can pray about for you? And she said, well, actually, yeah, she said, I'm getting ready to go back home this weekend. I live in Huntington. Uh, Could you pray for me for a safe trip? We did it a couple of weeks earlier when we were in a restaurant and uh, the young girl was kind of the same reaction. We we did the same thing and she said, well, yeah, I'm a single mom. I've got this little one at home and I'm trying to work and support and pay rent. And she said, could you just pray about that for me? So we did. When you... Stop to consider the impact the word has made since it was first spoken. Nothing else has had that kind of impact on the world. Because the word of the Lord will, according to Peter, live forever. What the world needs today more than anything else, if I haven't made that clear, is the word. And that word is Jesus. If the word is spoken, it can't be stopped. But if the word is not spoken, it never really has a chance to start. Remember, you're not responsible for the outcome, okay? You're only responsible to speak the word. And when you do, God will do the rest.
God will grant the increase. So I encourage you to make every effort to speak the word. The world desperately needs to hear it. If you've heard the word and and are ready to respond and obey, if somebody has spoken the word to you and you're ready to respond to the gospel, we're here to help you do that today because the word can save you. Now, we might have to find some other baptistry because I don't think this one is currently working. But I've got a bathtub next door that we can do it in that. See, the word can save you because we know Jesus saves, right? So if we can help you do that today, we'll help you do that today, even if it's in my bathtub next door. Let's stand and sing.